0: Well, welcome to Amen Podcast. (laughs) We live in a loud world. So many opinions, so many comments. We are constantly looking for things to drown out the noise, whether it's social media, TV, drugs, alcohol, um, relationships, sex, and even spirituality. So we crave silence, but we don't know how to get it. However, Jesus mastered silence even on the loudest day of his life. But how? Well, stick around. I'm your host, LaGalani, and my husband, Alex, will be preaching from Mark 15, verses 1 through 20. If you're helped by today's message and want to support this ministry, go to AmenPodcast.com. Let's read Mark 15, verse 1 through 20. I'm in the ESV version, and this is what it says. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas and the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up.
1: Amen. So it's hard to be silent when you're being mistreated and we live in a world that doesn't, is not for that at all. Our world says if you're being mistreated or if your rights are being infringed upon, you need to speak up against it. And I, I've gone back and forth on this. I used to be a really quiet kid. It's weird. I I used to not talk and want to speak up at all. I didn't want to be in the center of attention. And then like, I think once I got into high school, this is before I knew the Lord, I started, you know, really knew the Lord, started following him. I started doing drugs. I started doing all these things and looking for confidence, looking for something to make me want to speak up, to give me the confidence to speak up and to stand up for myself. And so I got that false sense of fleeting confidence from outside sources and whether it be music or parties or friendships or whatever, none of it lasts. We talked about that in our confidence episode and it all goes away. But there was these moments where I started to speak up for myself, and then mm. I thought I could get my confidence from being that outspoken person. And so, at some point in high school, I became a person that talked too much and said too much, and I was unwilling to allow anyone to not let me speak my mind. And mm. it almost got um, worse when I got a Christian, became a Christian. I started to speak up about the right things, but I used to I started to say the right things, but at the wrong time. And I started to say a lot of truth without grace. Um, so now that my eyes have been opened to truth, I knew truth, I knew what to say, I was saying it, but I was saying it at the wrong time. When God was telling me to be uh, silent, my spirit was saying, or my flesh, I'm sorry, was saying, speak up. Mm-hmm. And um, I still struggle with that today, speaking too much. And I know talking is, is what I do because I'm a preacher and um, preaching is a gift that God's given me. But I'm, I'm learning through this text, how to be silent, and how to let God speak for me and speak through me. And I think you might be in a situation where you're like, how do I know when to speak up and when not to speak up? How do I know, like, God wants me to be silent in this moment? Well, Jesus shows us how. And, and the first couple of verses, I want you to look at verse 1, where it says it's morning time. The chief priest, they spent all night trying to, like, come up with, some thing, accusation to get against Jesus to get him crucified. Well, they wake up or they spend all night just doing this uh, deliberation, and they're like, listen, we're just going to go to Pilate and let him take care of it. And so, first off, when the word of God is not important to you, when you don't like what the word of God is saying, remember, Jesus is the word of God, what you'll do as a Christian or as anybody in the church, what you'll do is you'll involve politics. Hmm. The word of God should be enough for these chief priests. The word of God was standing right in front of them. They didn't care about Jesus. They didn't care about what he stood for. They didn't care about who he claimed to be. And so what they did, they involved politics. We see that in the church today. When the word of God is not important to you or you don't like what it says, you say, well, let's just let's just see if politics have to do with this. Let's let's involve this politician. Let's involve this. And then we see the nonsense we see on the news. Then we see politicians saying, "Oh, I love, I love Christianity. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm this," and then they act the opposite. Why does that happen? It's because it's political. It's not spiritual. They're not. They don't really love God. They don't really love the Word of God. But they've gotten the green light from the church to involve themselves in this because the church has lost its its value and a, a sense of importance for the Word of God.
2: Mm. We
1: see that happen here. We see it happen today. In verse two, you know, Pilate talks. To Jesus he says you know are you the king of the Jews and what does Jesus say in verse 2 it says you have said so what does that mean it literally means whatever you say this is all Jesus says this whole passage we're talking about today I mean these people are trying to kill him they're claiming things about him that aren't true they're saying he did things and he's a menace and he's gonna hurt people and he's trying to take over Rome Jesus is not trying to take over Rome you know, some of his followers wanted him to, but that's not the Messiah that Jesus was. That's the Messiah they wanted. Hmm. Jesus didn't want to come take over Rome. He had a kingdom, he was a king. What he came to do was free people, to set people free,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to show people who God is and to connect them back to God. But when Pilate says, this, Are you the king of the Jews? Technically, yes, biblically, the Messiah is the king of the Jews. He's, a de- he's the rightful heir to the throne, he's the descendant of David. And so, yes, he is the king of the Jewish faith. He's a king of the Jews, but they wanted a different king. And so Jesus says, whatever you say, dude, you have said so translates whatever you say. He's basically being silent. He's not fighting. He's not fighting for himself. He's not speaking up. He's not saying, well, these guys have it all wrong. They think I'm at this kind of king and they, they claim this about me and they say this. Jesus says, whatever you say. Verse four, it says at the end of verse four, Pilate's amazed. Why is this guy not sticking up for him? You want to amaze your, your non-Christian friends? You want to amaze the world by your faith? Choose not to yell and speak up about every little time you get persecuted. Choose to let God speak up for you. Mm. The world says the opposite of this guys. The world says you need to, you need to stand up for yourself. Know your rights. Don't let people walk all over you. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. What? Let someone slap you again? No way. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. This is how. You'll show the world who I am and who your Father is in heaven. Let your light shine before men that they may give glory to the Father in heaven. How do you let your light shine? You don't yell out. You don't speak up. You don't jump in a comment section. You don't act like the world's acting. That's how they act. That's why the world's so loud. Everyone's stating their opinions in the comments and in the chat and saying this about this, about this political thing, this about this thing in the world. Everyone's stating their opinion. Everyone's posting their own stories. Everyone's tweeting their own tweets. And everyone's yelling at each other. There's so much discord in the world. Shout out to our new discord. We have a discord thing. I learned the word discord means disagreement, argument. And I think why Discord, that app even exists is there's so much disagreement in the world. Let's put together a community that agrees on something, and that is Jesus is King, and he's our Lord and our Savior, and we want to live an amen life. Mm. So that's why we have our Discord. That's why we get together and we talk about that. But that word means disagreement, you know, and that happens so much in our life. If you want to amaze the people around you and and want people to think, man, what is it about this, this Christian have a gentle and quiet spirit. Jay Monty is one of my favorite rappers. And he says, uh, uh, they told me rebuke him in love. Something, something. And then he says, Um, now my now my bar is tender, I'm a poet. And you know, rappers say I got bars, you know, bars. But he says, My bars are tender, I'm a poet. Mm. Because poets are kind of like rappers too. But while rappers are more aggressive with their bars, poets are tender. And that's what Christians are supposed to be like tender in the way they speak to the world
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, re- and respond back to the world. look at this verse six. now the feast he used now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. this is the this is the only place we know in history that talks about this custom. So the Bible is a, a historical piece of evidence. Yes, it's living it's active it's a two-edged sword gets you coming and going. it's the word of God. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. It's the most valuable thing in the earth, and it's probably on your shelf collecting dust. But this Word of God is a historical artifact. This feast that happened every year at Passover, what what Pilate would do is he would release one prisoner to the Jews. And the only place in history that we know that this happened was in the Bible. And so what he's about to do is he's going to say, Hey, do you, you, you guys say Jesus is guilty of something. Why don't I just release him to you? You know, why don't I just, and they're not going to take it. They're not, they're not going to be for it. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in an insurrection, there's a man named Brabus. This is the guy they're going to choose. An insurrection is when um, a group that is under the rule of another group tries to rebel against that group. So Rome was in charge of Judea and the Jewish people. And Pilate was like the governor, and there was like little guys underneath him that ran Judea and the region where Jesus lived and Jerusalem and all that area. Herod was one of those, right? And so Pilate says, hey, I'm going to do this custom. I'll release someone to you. It could be Jesus. There's also this guy, Barabbas, but he's a murderer. I'm sure you guys don't want him. To Pilate's surprise, they choose him. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do what he usually did for them. Release a person to us. Verse 9, and he answered them. Do you want me to release the King of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. The mm-hmm. smart guy, Pilate. Mm-hmm. Pilate is such an interesting character in the Bible because he's in between following and believing in Jesus, and then saying that he is the rightful king of his life, and he needs to just do his own thing. Aren't mm-hmm. we in that same place? We're torn. We got to see what's going on. A lot of us, a lot of us know. Wow, the world hates Jesus. It's probably because Jesus is right. A lot of us feel that about Jesus without even really giving our full faith to him. Pilate was like that. You know, he was like more spiritually woke than most of the people here. He was like, well, you guys don't like Jesus because he's popular.
2: Mm-hmm. He's
1: looking at the chief priest. And you know what? Pilate is, alike, is like a lot of our non-believing friends who they don't really have a problem with Jesus. They just don't want Jesus to be their his their prince.
2: Hmm.
1: They look at the chief priest and like, yeah, you religious weirdos. I don't like that. I don't like what that's talking about. But I like I like this Jesus. I believe it was Gandhi who said it, who said, uh, I like your Jesus. I don't like your Christians. And a lot of people, like Pilate, they look at the Christians and they say, you chief priest, I don't like how you dress. I don't like your, your robes and your dangling golden-covered little tassels and your pompous attitude and your arrogance. I don't like that you think you're better than all us. I don't like that, but I do like Christ and what I mm. see in Scripture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's where Pilate is. So He's a little more spiritually woke than, than the people in the crowd there. But what happens? It says in verse uh, 11, "...but the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead." This is so interesting. Politics exists to satisfy the crowd. That's why it says in verse, let me find this. Hmm. There it is, 15. So Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd. Another translation says pacify the crowd. What mm. does pacify mean? Well, I give my baby a pacifier when she's crying. You know, it helps her be soothed so she can stop crying. Mm-hmm. That's what a pacifier does. The crowd is crying out. The governor, the pilot, is there to say, Let me pacify you. Let me give you what you want. That's why politics exists. If you want to know what the biblical understanding of politics is, it means people put in place to pacify the crowd. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, give us a king, give us a king. God is like, No, this is a theocracy. I lead the people. This is what I want. No, God, we don't want you. Give us a king, give us a king. They were like just badgering God, asking for a king. God says, Okay, there's a guy named Saul. You guys are gonna see that any leader that I allow to be king is gonna disappoint you. They're all gonna, because dis- they're human in mm-hmm. your mind. I want you to listen to me, I want you to follow me. But God says, Okay, sometimes God just allows you to have what you want so bad. And that's like the, one of the worst things that could ever happen to us. And so God says, okay, here, here. And politics was kind of birthed out of that. Ever since then, there's been people put in place just to give the crowd what they want. But what's interesting in this text, the word of God has a way of showing us behind the curtain of what's really happening in the world. Mm. And it says in verse 14, um, I want to get this right. 15, 14, uh, 11, there it is. Sorry, verse 11 of chapter 15. Chief priest stirred up the crowd. The chief priests are the religious people. They're saying to the crowd, hey, get them, get them to ask, give them, get them to crucify Jesus and give us Barabbas. So they're all mixed in the crowd, you know, a picture of Coachella, but way more violent, way more aggressive, and they're in the crowd just stirring people up. You know, give use the picture of, like, I'm sure the drug dealers that walk around in the crowd at Coachella passing out drugs. I want you to get that picture. That's what the chief priests are doing. They're putting in the thoughts and the minds of people something evil
2: mm. to
1: change their minds so that they could see a situation that's different. And so they start saying, okay, give, tell, yell Barabbas. Let's get Barabbas. And so they're t- stirring them up. Like the picture is stirring of coffee. You're Trying to mix in the cream and the sugar. You're getting it all together. You're mixing. You're stirring it. And that's what they're doing to the crowd. And then what's going to happen? The politician is just going to give the crowd what they've been stirred up and asking for. This Mm -hmm. happens every single day in our world. The church stirs up the crowd, even if it's a subconscious stirring, even if it's a a stirring that we're not knowing that's really going on. The the religious thoughts and spirituality of the day stirs up the crowd. The crowd cries out for what they want, and the politicians pacify the crowd. It happens today. For example, spirituality today is preaching that you are God. Mm -hmm. You're God. What did Kanye say? I mean, I don't want to pick on Kanye. What did he say? He said, you know, I just told you who I am. I'm a God. You know, he says that's a viral clip that he puts out. But that actually is the understanding of most people. I mean, I already called that one rapper. There's another rapper, NLE Choppa, who was in an interview uh, in a podcast uh, just recently. And he said, um, I was I was going through a spiritual awakening and God appeared to me. But he didn't appear to me as himself. He appeared to me as me. What? Bro. I love you. You're the reason why I bought chlorophyll. He's like, TikTok's about like chlorophyll and how good it is for you. I ended up buying chlorophyll because of what he said in one of the TikToks. So I love you. I love what you're doing about health for people, but that's untrue. That's Mm -hmm. unbiblical. Mm -hmm. You're not God.
2: Mm -hmm. God
1: is God. You are a sinner who needs God to intervene and come get you because you're lost and dead in your trespasses. Mm -hmm. And that's all of us. But the spirituality of the day is saying you need, to, you need to know that you're the highest authority in your life. No, you're not. That's unbiblical. You are not the highest authority in your life. Mm-hmm. You are loved by God. You are seen as precious. You're seen as a masterpiece because His Imago day is on you. But you are not the highest authority. This is the highest authority. And this is why people don't like the Bible, but you cannot like it. It's still a number one New York bestseller, and it's been on the top of the charts for decades, decades and decades, probably ever since the New York charts came out. This is the ultimate authority, the word of God, because this is a person. These words are Jesus. The word of God made flesh, John chapter one. This is the highest authority. Why Jesus? Because he created the universe. He created you. You would not be able to hear my voice right now if it wasn't for Jesus because he made ears. He made everything. He is the ultimate authority. The world says No, this, you are the ultimate authority. That's not true. Look out for this, guys, because Christian preachers are preaching this. When they say stuff like, you can have your best life now. When when they say stuff like, or when they parade themselves around on stage, like they're the hero, what they're really saying is, humans are the hero. No. We're the villain. (laughs) We messed this all up. When Adam did it, we all did it. Because in Adam all died, because in Adam all sinned. Mm-hmm. So we did it. Mm-hmm. We're the villain. Jesus is the hero. Amen. So going to a church where it's all about the pastor and the vision is on him and he, is the, he or she is the reason why you can hear from God. And if you follow them and if you do what they tell you to do and you give to their church, your life is going to be transformed and pastor. elevated and it's going to be awesome. If that is it, that ain't it,
2: mm. period. Mm-hmm. It's
1: not it. Jesus is the hero. You're not the ultimate authority. The religious crowd was saying to these people, they were stirring them up, stirring them up, stirring them up, and then what happens? The the politician says, yeah, let's kill Jesus. So in our world today, the church says, you're the ultimate authority. religion doesn't have to be the church. It could be the religious. It could be your manifestation daily podcast you listen to. You're the ultimate authority. The crowd says, yes, I am, and that's why I want Abortion and that's why I want a B and C and that's why I want this this and this and what is that's why I want to pick my own gender That's why I want to marry who I want to marry. That's why love is love. That's why you had it And what does the politicians do they pacify the crowd they say, okay, you want abortion go ahead Okay, you want to marry within the same sex go ahead Okay, you want to choose your own gender? Go ahead. What is What are politics? What are they doing? They're collecting a check mm-hmm. all they want to do is get money and pacify the crowd that's what's going to keep on happening and that's why the importance of biblical exegetical comma by comma line by line chapter by chapter book by book authoritative preaching from this book is so important because when this gets out it spreads like wildfire throughout the world mm. and it changes even the people who don't consider themselves spiritual or consider themselves christian they are affected by by what this book teaches. This book teaches that people are equal, regardless of your gender. And there was a preacher named Martin Luther King, who he celebrated this month, who went around preaching that it's neither Jew nor Greek, it's neither male or female, preaching that all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all men are made of dust. You me we're all made of dust and to dust we shall return. Mm-hmm. But Jesus put on dust. He put on skin and he walked amongst us and he died for us for men to believe in him so that we could be saved from our sins. So our minds could be transformed not from not from a not by our own works that we could brag about it but by his works mm-hmm. so that we could start to see things the way he sees. And our minds can be transformed. Martin Luther King preached that. What happened? Slavery was abolished. You know, it was abolished at the time. It. You know, he was preaching that. But also, the civil rights movement started, and people started getting their rights to be treated as human citizens, human beings. It affected. You know, preaching like that affected the uh, Supreme Court's decision on like suffrage. Why was it okay that men were just allowed to vote? If the Bible says we're equal, those kind of preaching, it is those kind of changes don't just come out of thin air, guys. Humans left to themselves will destroy this planet.
2: Mm-hmm. We see that
1: in the movie called Wall-E. Mm-hmm. Humans left to themselves will destroy everything. If anything good pops up, it's because of God's grace. Mm-hmm. All the good things, all the good laws that we have that are that are allowing people to be treated as equal and and people to be uh thrive and and have freedom and good things that are happening. That's coming from spiritual influences. Now they stirred up the crowd and now what they're about to do is so horrible. It says in verse 14 and Pilate said, why Jesus, what evil has he done? Because They were saying crucify him, crucify him, but they shouted all the more crucify him. They're completely stirred up at this point. Verse 15, wishing to satisfy a crowd and release to them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus. So what he does, he's really convicted. If you read another account of this, it tells us that his wife actually has a dream about Jesus and says, leave this guy alone, don't mess with him. But he doesn't listen to his wife. But he's he's not quite sure about Jesus because he doesn't see that Jesus has done anything wrong. And it's his job as judge to figure out if people have done anything wrong. And so he says, let's just scourge him. To scourge is this thing that they call the ni- the the um, cat of nine tails. And it was this whip that had all these different ends on it, bones, sometimes glass, uh, stones, wrapped up and put into the end of the tips. And if you s- hit someone with it, it would grab onto their skin and rip off their flesh. I mean, down to the bone. I mean, it would wrap around their chest and then you would rip it and it would leave a gaping stripe of... Uh, exposed flesh. It was, you know, they said about 40 times, hit with this thing and you'd be dead. So Jesus was actively losing so much blood by the time the cross was even put on his back while he was walking up to Golgotha where he would be crucified. And this is why, you know, we're going to I'm getting into next week's message. This is why Simon had to come help because Jesus had already lost so much blood. He was just torn to pieces. They I think they believe hit him like 39 times. Some people some commentators disagree on that. But the point is getting anywhere near 40 would kill. But they thought, okay, Jesus, Pilate thought, okay, if we just let Jesus have it, then maybe they want, maybe I won't have to crucify him. But they came back and they said, no, we want him crucified. And Jesus is still silent through all this. Look at verse 16. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, and they called together a whole battalion. Now the soldiers are about to have some fun with Jesus. If you wonder why the world mocks Jesus, here we go. This is it. The soldiers, they put on him a purple cloak. Purple is the color of royalty. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail the king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his clothes on him and they led him away out to crucify. Him. The world mocks Jesus because they don't believe Jesus is the king the world needs. So the soldiers, they were completely honoring to Pilate. That's who they thought their king was. They hated the Jews. Jesus comes up and says, You know, people are saying he's the king of the Jews. Jesus says, Yes, I'm the king of the Jews because they asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, It is as you say. And now they're getting, they're making fun of him because it's like, this is the king. Not first of all, we hate you. Second of all, this is the king? This king who is silent, who won't speak up, who won't fight for himself, who's allowing us to beat him up? This is your king? Oh, now we're really going to have fun with this. So they mock him. But this is why Paul says the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Every other religion has a king that is, or a leader that is, paraded around and seen as so powerful and wise and beautiful, and they die this death that's surrounded by their, the, the people that love them, the people that follow them. It's this beautiful presentation of their religion. Christianity, our leader, dies with spit dripping down his face and blood coming down his leg and bones exposed, naked, hanging on a cross. The Bible says "Curses anyone that... Dies on a cross. It's the most shameful way to die. That's how the leader of our religion, of our faith, dies. So they're like, this is your king? That's why the world still makes fun of Christianity to this day. Sorry about the timer. We just have to restart our camera. That's why the world still makes fun of Christianity today. Because it's a joke. They don't see what we see. Your eyes have to be open to this. In the world, what they really want is not Jesus, they want Barabbas. What does Barabbas represent? Well, Barabbas represents a person that is willing to uh, not be silent. It's someone that's willing to yell and scream and hurt people and use violence to get what they want. This is reinforced in Marvel movies, in DC, every superhero movie, it's reinforced. What happens? The bad guy becomes so bad and does so many bad things that eventually the hero has to beat him up. And then we all cheer. Yay! The hero got the hero got him um, got the bad guy. But in the Bible, the bad guy, which is us, does so many bad things, does hurts so many people, messes up so many times, the hero takes his place. And he gets beat up. So that the villain can go free. That's what the Bible teaches. The if you are living a life saying, how can I defend myself? And how can I get back at this and do this and do that? What you're worshiping is Barabbas. Because what God tells us to do is to be silent. That's what Jesus does. Jesus says, vengeance is mine. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. The Bible says, the battle is the Lord's. If you're God's kid, And someone is persecuting you and treating you wrong. You're God's kid. That's God's battle. The kid don't got to go back to school and fight for himself. He just got to go tell his daddy. His daddy will take care of it. His daddy will come down to that school and make sure it gets figured out. If he's a good dad. We have a good father. He's a good, good father. The Bible says, blessed are the persecuted for theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. If you aren't being persecuted for your faith, something's wrong. Because as long as you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, you will get persecuted. You will get made fun of. You will get treated strangely and differently and odd than the rest of the world. Why? Yours is the kingdom. You have a different king. Hmm. They're going to persecute you because of your king and what he represents. He represents putting trust and faith in God and letting him fight his battles what jesus is doing why is he speaking up why is he not saying anything look at the composure we got to stop looking at the pictures that we see of christ on the internet or in tv shows and stuff like that because they're inaccurate this is why the bible tells us not to make any images of, of jesus because we have no idea what he looks like we have no idea the type of facial responses that he would have to a situation we're supposed to use our imagination that's why god gave it to you one day we'll see jesus's face and the, t- and the time being, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to see him being spit on, punched, mocked, laughed at by these huge men coming right up close to his faith, laughing at him, being whipped, dragged across Jerusalem, naked. Come on. I want you to see this, and then I want you to see him not saying a word. Isaiah tells us, like a sheep before his shears, is silent. He didn't say nothing.
2: Wow.
1: He let them do this. And I want you I want to I want to read something to you in Psalms 119 verse 23. It says even though princes sit plotting against me your servant will meditate on your statues. Psalms 119 you have to read it. I read a little bit of it every night before my boys go to sleep and we read it in the morning as a family. One verse, maybe two. Powerful. The whole thing is about the importance of the word of God and how to love the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. How to do that. Verse 23, the psalmist is saying, I got people all around me, princes sitting, plotting against me. Mm -hmm. Is that not Jesus? Not a prince, but a pilot, a a politician, a governor, plotting against him. Chief priests who had power in the church, just like a prince has power. Sitting, plotting against Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? The servant of God, he is meditating on the statues. What do you think Jesus is thinking about as they're doing this stuff to him? He's thinking about God. He's thinking about the promises of God. He's thinking about the promise that God made to him that he was going to resurrect. Paul says that it was God who resurrected Jesus from the dead. Jesus is standing there thinking about the Father's words to him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He was pleased. That didn't change. What God said about Jesus when he was being baptized and the sky opened up and the spirit descended like a dove, nothing's changed. God is still pleased with Jesus. Why? God stands outside of time. He was seeing all of it at once. He was seeing the crucifixion. He's outside the timeline that we're in. He was seeing it all, and he said, I'm pleased with you, Jesus. I love you, my son. I'm pleased with you. And and Jesus is able to stand there getting ripped apart, no pun intended, no exaggeration, getting ripped apart silently. Only reason why he was opening his mouth was so blood could pour out of it. But words weren't coming out. He was silent, meditating. On the word of God. What does meditate mean? It means to sit in it. The reason why we end up saying stuff. That we shouldn't say. St- saying stuff that we regret. Talking too much. The Bible says. Where words are many. Transgression is not lacking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. The Bible says. We're going to have to. Give an account to the things that we say. The Bible says. Words have power. God created the whole universe. By his words. That means they do have power. Our world says. Sticks and stones will break my bones. Or words will never hurt me. That's. Not true. Mm -mm. Words can do way more damage than sticks and stones. Way more damage. A stick and a stone can break your arm and it can grow back and heal and everything. A word that someone has said to you can stay with you from the moment you heard it for decades. Maybe until you die.
2: Mm.
1: Words have power. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I guarantee you still remember the conversation you had when you broke up with your, or your girlfriend broke up with you, your boyfriend broke up with you. Whatever devastating breakup you had, I guarantee you remember words from it. I guarantee you remember some harming words your parents said to you or a bully said to you. Why? They stick. You know, words, sticks and stones will break my bones or words never hurt me. Words hurt worse because they stick to you and they stone you. That's why Jesus says nothing. He's silent. He's meditating. He's thinking about the words of God. The Bible says, I've hidden your word in in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm -hmm. For Jesus to speak up in a fight for himself would be to go against the will of God and what God had already planned out. So for Jesus to speak out and yell and fight against this unjust murder would be to sin against God. So what did Jesus do? He did what the psalmist said. Jesus hid his word, the words of God, in his heart that he might not sin against the Father. Why? Jesus was. The word of God wasn't just hidden in Jesus' heart. It was Jesus' heart. It was his arm. It was his leg. It was his fingers. It was him because mm-hmm. he is the word of God. Mm-hmm. If we take this word and we hide it in our heart and we meditate on it and we prioritize it and we stop prioritizing everything else and we repent of how much time we spend on social media because the more time you will spend on social media, the more the less time you will actually be silent. In fact, we go to social media to silence our minds because our minds are running with so much loudness, so much anger and chaos and confusion and anxiety that we go to social media to get the dopamine that we crave so that our mind will be silent. And at a quick moment, it feels silent because we're not thinking about the things that are making us crazy. We're thinking about what we see on our screen. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like we're silent, but we're not silent. We're actually letting more in. We, as humans, we are terrified of silence. Mm -hmm. There's this monk who has this basement who has the quietest place on earth, and this reporter goes there and cannot spend five minutes in the room because the reporter started to hear their insides turning, their intestines moving. It was so quiet, it terrified them they had to get out. We are the same way. We can't take silence. We don't like it. It scares us. We're terrified of it. And I'm terrified for my kids growing up in this world that's so loud. Mm -hmm. It's louder than it was 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, if you want to learn to walk in silence and peace and freedom and confidence, dependence and trust in God the way Jesus did on the loudest day of his life, you got to hide this word in your heart. And one of those words is that vengeance is mine. Be still and know. I got you. I'll leave you with this verse. It's uh, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How is God going to uphold you with his righteous right hand? Because at his right hand is two sets of hands, and they belong to Jesus. And Andy Minio says, the holes in his hands are proof that he'll never drop you. He's going to uphold you because he was dropped.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. The judgment of God, the wrath of God was dropped on him so that he'll never drop you. And so being silent is seeing that Jesus was silent. And heaven was silent unto him. Mm -hmm. He was crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Heaven was silent. Heaven went silent, muted him, blocked him so that we could be unblocked. Because of our sin, we were blocked. Because of our sin, heaven was on mute. We couldn't hear from God. God was not hearing from us. Jesus opened up that because he embraced the silence of heaven upon him, and he was silent when he was being wrongly murdered because of our sins. So this is my prayer for you. Get in this Bible and Mm -hmm. trust that God's got you. Mm -hmm. Trust that God is holding you up. Father God, thank you so much for the power of your word and what it means and what it teaches us and how your Holy Spirit helps us walk through it. Lord, without your Spirit's guidance and illumination, we wouldn't know what these words are even about or what is even happening and how Jesus is even doing this, but he's so Beautiful, through your Holy Spirit's power, we can see how beautiful Jesus is and how he responds in a chaotic, crazy, loud world. Lord, thank you that Jesus is mine and we are his, and and Jesus is ours. Lord, And we're so thankful for that. And we pray um, that you would give us the power to be silent and the power to just trust you. Mm-hmm. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Yes,
2: this
0: is the part of the episode where we... Well, we call it after the amen. And we want to hear from you. We want to know what your amen is and what stuck out from what stuck out to you from this message. So I'll go first, man. This is just another good one. Thank you, Alex. But I just love, I mean, obviously the theme of like staying silent and just how what should we do? like in those moments, I we've all been there when we're, treated wrongly or when we're upset about an issue or whatever it is you know Mm -hmm. someone gave us a side eye like you know we want to do something and like sometimes you know silence is even like it's a posture of our heart you know like we might have a self-control not to say something um, but I feel like we also need the self-control to like let it go in our hearts in that moment and not to say something in our hearts to say something in our minds and I just love that the answer is just to run to Jesus. Like, that's what we have to do. That's the, We have to run to his word. And when we're trying to figure out, like, oh, you know, should I say something or how can I say something to get back at this person or how can I show them that they're wrong or whatever, our response should be, no, let's run to the word um, where I can find peace, wisdom, clarity in Jesus' heart in the situation and just, like, also, it should be like—I don't know if this is the right way to say it—but it should be easy for us to stay silent when we really think about what Jesus did. Yeah. Like he, we deserve to be spit on. We deserve to be mocked. We deserved—we deserved we deserve death because of sin, you know. Yet him, who did nothing wrong, he willingly went in our place and he was silent <laughs> like if there's any time in the world that you know it like it'd be like okay go ahead and speak up like but no he that was not that was not his response because he loved us and he wanted to glorify the father and he knew what his mission was he knew um he knew what the outcome w- would be <sighs> so thank you that's so good <laughs> um so yeah we want to hear from you um what is your amen what stuck out to you from this message and um, before we go follow amen podcast on instagram and tiktok and you can see some more of my favorite clips from this episode um but in the meantime get in your word and go out and be the church amen